Hello everyone and welcome to episode 6 of the Academica Vertex. I'm your host Ollie and you can find us on Twitter at the underscore FF Academy. It was a bit of a knock back into reality for FPL managers in the Premier League this week with only 19 goals being scored this game week but it makes it makes a difference from the, the goal fest that we've had uh, in the previous weeks. Um, so today I'm joined with me by my good friend Aditya. So uh, how have you been feeling after that sort, sort of more normal game week? Um, as soon as game week five uh, ended, I was pretty happy seeing a green arrow finally, and uh, I felt that things were now moving in the right direction or not going to move in the right direction. But again, game week six it came like out of the blue and just destroyed everybody's performances and ranks so far. And uh, yeah, we have a lot of things to speak on. A lot of unexpected things happened here, and this has been a pretty low-scoring. Uh, game week, I guess, in terms of even the amount of goals scored in the Premier League. So, Bamford scored three goals and no team has managed to score more than three goals. So, this game week which has been pretty surprising. So, yeah. Yeah, it was certainly the same story for me, really. Last week, I was uh, got a sort of 1 million green arrow from 1.7 to around 750k and all my hard work last week has been um, sort of put back and I'm back to sort of 1.2 million so two steps forward one step back really for me um but yeah it was it was it was it's good to make a change from from the previous um game weeks and there were certainly some interesting talking points this week um so yeah first of all I'd I'd like to um start with the Man United Chelsea um two teams that haven't really stopped conceding this season so it was expected to be a very interesting sort of game and and lots of goals so um, I was surprised to see that it was a it was a goalless draw. Um, for me, there were two big impact players that that contributed towards uh, the the stalemate between the two teams for Chelsea. This one was Edouard Mendy, and the other was Thiago Silva. Um, Edouard Mendy looked brilliant in goal. I think a very very good change for Chelsea after after Kepa's sort of departure from the first team. Um, he made some brilliant saves in the game and, and really contributed to the clean sheet. Um, and, and the other was Thiago Silva. I thought he was he was brilliant because he he sort of brought a, a calm to to that Chelsea defence. He, he brought the calm element. Um, he he knew how to play balls between the lines. He was a creative ball playing defender. And the other advantage is that he knew Cavani very very well. So Cavani playing for Manchester United, Thiago Silva could just back pocket him because he knew everything about Cavani playing with him in, in PSG so yeah um, uh, it, it was interesting to see to see how good uh, Thiago Silva finally was after a bit of a mare against West Brom um, but um, did you notice any players um, that that really contributed to this nil-nil draw and, and what effect did they have on, on the game? Defensively I guess both the teams were pretty solid and uh, in the entire game I think Chelsea considered a total of 14 shots so because Edward Mendy played well and he made, I think, two good saves. I think one was, I think both the shots were, I think, from Marcus Rashford. So he made one shot, he stopped it with his feet. Another one, he made a, a well-diving save. Uh, so credit to him and because he played well and Chelsea managed to you know, grab a clean sheet. But uh, overall, a bad game in terms of FPL-wise. But I guess both the teams wanted to draw. So, none of them wanted a disastrous result. That would be a defeat. So, they were pretty much happy with a draw. And, uh, yeah, defensively, a good game. 
solid performance from both the teams because they were leaking in a lot of goals and yeah that was kind of a turning point for both the sides in terms of defense wise but uh, offensively in terms of fpl it was disastrous for most of us because uh, we were expecting a penalty <laughs> if you had bruno fernandes and uh, it was not given this game you can't expect penalties to be given now and then every time but that's how it looks like he seems to be scoring right through penalties and chelsea in terms of chelsea werner was kind of lost i would say uh, not able to like get past maguire and Lindelof, Fred McTominay, all were quite defensively solid. So, yeah, this was a pretty defensively solid performance from both the team. But, uh, yeah, offensively, not great. So, and also Chelsea looks like they've forgotten to score goals, I feel now. I'm getting scared. The next game, they play Burnley and I do have one in my side. And I'm just hoping he manages to score because Burnley defensively are a strong side and they know very well how to defend. So, they can also shut out like United against Chelsea and one a good blank against. So, yeah, a lot of things to speak on. Yeah, I, th- I think it was a very uh, interesting game. As you said, Werner looked a bit lost. He had only two penalty touches um, in, in 71 minutes and, and Pulisic topped those penalty touches with, with only six in, in 81 minutes as well. Um, you, you yourself being a, a Man United supporter, there was a big talking point in the game where potentially Chelsea should have had a penalty. Maguire had his hands all over him from the, from the corner. Uh, in your opinion, uh, was it a penalty? I guess yesterday Harry Maguire posted an image on Instagram, right? It was where Aspilicueta was holding McTominay, if I'm not wrong. So in corners and situations like this, I feel uh, sometimes the players are not aware of what is the situation surrounding them and they are just so much obsessed around clearing the ball. They just grab onto somebody and just, you know, kind of push the ball away. And um, I don't think that's a penalty. So it was not given, but I don't know how many people agree and disagree with me. But uh, I guess at the end, both were pretty much happy with the draw, right? Chelsea didn't want to attack. Towards the end, if you have noticed, uh, once Cavani made an appearance, uh, it was United who were running on creating more chances, whereas Chelsea were pretty much happy and they just sat back and defended. So just, they just wanted a draw and they just were pretty much happy with the point. So, I mean, that penalty, if it would have been given, it would have made a difference. Only Georgino would have scored or would have missed it. I'm not sure, but... I don't think that was a penalty because at corner situations like this always happen. So it will be kind of very harsh to give a penalty. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, it can can swing either way. Um, it's, it's difficult because sometimes you think um, it is a penalty, sometimes you think it isn't a bit subjective. But um, it's another VAR sort of controversy again because there was nothing from the VAR individuals, even though I did think... Um, there wasn't much attempt at the ball being played, despite Maguire giving potentially away this this bad foul. He did did play very well. He had five aerial duels in total and won all five. Uh, made eight recoveries, the third highest in the game. So, looks like hopefully uh, for Maguire, he's put all this uh, sort of drama and stuff behind him, and he can just focus on his football again. So, um, hopefully that will that will uh, encourage some more clean sheets for for Manchester United in the future so yeah I mean there's not too much to talk about in this game so um, I, I think we've we've covered everything from from that Man United uh, Chelsea game next I want to talk about the the Liverpool 2 Sheffield United 1 um, Liverpool were 
Uh, again, a bit on edge. It's this, it's the same story with uh, Liverpool and Man City. They seem to be just not like their normal their normal selves and and not dominating games. It, it is making for more of an interesting season and a, a much more open Premier League. Um, so for an entertainment purposes, it, it's it's very very good. But um, um, they we saw Sheffield United have a much much better performance against Liverpool. I think uh, they've struggled a lot this season. They've not played very well at all and they're right down the bottom end of the table and um, and they have seen some some harsh results uh, in the past and some a bit of bad f- fortune um so despite liverpool beating them which was for sheffield united not too disappointing because obviously it is liverpool but um sheffield united had such a good good season last season and finishing in the top half of the premier league um what what has changed this season for since season i guess since it was kind of they played in a very unique fashion right last time so i guess teams have now kind of understood the way they play and they are able to kind of cope with them and their problems are struggling defensively and offensively they are lacking you know creativity that's why they're struggling to score a lot of goals but um liverpool defensively weren't great now with van dijk's injury also now which is a big concern at the moment but i guess they are kind of dealing with it pretty well with i guess fabinho playing as a center back but uh, if you ask me what has changed for sheffield i don't know fans maybe i mean playing at bramelin is very difficult i've seen last time when united played there and at the end with some var controversy and somehow they scraped and they drew the game i guess fans play a very very key part for teams like sheffield burnley and all wherein they are pretty vocal and they make it very difficult for you know teams traveling to their home i mean away from home and it gets very difficult for them even to win games so that could be a factor but they're not lacking i mean they're pretty much they're lacking creativity is what i want to say and that's why they signed brewster and maybe let's say in a few games or so if he manages to get in form scoring goals probably things will move on to in a more positive direction but they're lacking creativity at the moment that's why they're not scoring goals and defensively again if you look at the game against liverpool uh, liverpool i guess had 17 attempts on goal sheffield had 13 attempts on goal so liverpool sheffield pretty much similar but the most disappointed man in that particular game would be salah i guess with almost most all of us captaining him he had 14 touches in the penalty area and he scored zero he had four attempts on goal one goal hit i mean one shot hit the post one was to loft side and yeah we were pretty much unlucky in terms for me yes i captained him and very unlucky to see him being blanking but overall you have to move on and things are getting very very weird this season and there's there's not a sort of consistency you know continuing which is concerning mm. for me i think um one of the main reasons that Sheffield United aren't getting the results they're getting last season. Is they're they're missing Dean Henderson. He's gone back to Man United, which is a um, a big blow for them. And and they're also missing uh, O'Connell due to injury this season, I believe. So I think those are two two big players which they they're sort of missing out on. Um, but they they've had a, a as I said a much better sort of performance, and hopefully um, fortune can can turn. I mean Liverpool, there's still 62 Premier Leagues on. Un- Premier League games unbeaten at Anfield so still a fortress and um, as I said Sheffield United their defending looks sort of unmatched last season and 
Um, this season seems to be different, really. I mean, they conceded two pretty defensively sloppy goals against Liverpool. I mean, it wasn't wasn't particularly brilliant defensive-wise uh, compared to last season. They were just... Um, the the second goal was a free header for uh, for Jota and and the the first goal Mane got in between the right wing back and and the centre back with that sort of five at the back they couldn't really handle with the the three up front and then Jota coming in as well so I think um they it was need to work on a, a bit more a bit more defensive sides I mean Fabinho as you said did play very well and for me um. He made a challenge which conceded a, a penalty um, for for Liverpool, but for me, I, I didn't think it was a penalty at all. He got the ball first, and despite that, even if he didn't, the challenge was actually on the line outside the area. So for me, um, the, it it wasn't a penalty where the the foul was given and, and the challenge was good too. And um, I think Mike Dean definitely should have gone to the monitor to have a look rather than than just uh, just give the penalty. Um, and um, I think Diogo Jota, he's he's going to potentially bring bring the best out of Firmino because Firmino now knows that his his place is potentially up for grabs. I mean, um, like he's finally scored now, Firmino. So, and Trent Alexander-Arnold again gets another two pointer. So I think we could see a lot of managers transferring him out this season. I mean, he's only created twelve chances um, this season and. and this time last season he'd created 23 he's only got one clean sheet in six and only one attacking return this season so I don't particularly see many more clean sheets coming Liverpool's way so I think potentially um, there's a chance for uh, for Liverpool to their defence to um, to flop and I know potentially I'm going to be getting Robertson out and, and moving to uh, a West Ham defender and maybe the next week or, or the coming weeks um, so anyway I think that, that sums off the Liverpool game it was a, it was a, a close game and a good game to watch um, but I think we've, we've covered everything there next I want to move on to, to a big game Aston Villa they had a perfect record um, their perfect win streak and it's finally been put a stop to by Villa and a hat trick for Patrick Bamford, and he scored six in six now. And Leeds fan they questioned Bamford in the Championship, but Bielsa's stuck with him. Um, he, he really likes his work ethic, and uh, he looks like he's he's become sort of a, a prime Henri in the Premier League, and he's really turned into a, to a brilliant player. And um, he works he worked well alongside Rodrigo at the weekend um, and now he's that sort of a bit proven in the Premier League he scored 6-6 six and six. do you think it is time to get Patrick Bamford in? So I just had a look at Patrick Bamford's numbers against Aston Villa and uh, I guess he had 9 attempts on goal and he scored thrice and Leeds had a total of 27 attempts on goal and Rodrigo had again 4 attempts and uh, it looks like there seems to be a sort of partnership kind of building up because both these players are kind of fluid. So they are able to play in multiple positions, which is what Marco Bielsa likes pretty much. And depending on the situation and wherever your position at the moment in the game, you should be able to be like flexibly enough to move here and there. And Rodrigo and Bamford kind of, I guess, kind of switch and are capable of playing even on the wings at times. And also that's what he likes the most and looks like Bamford is proving us all wrong, saying that... uh, He's capable enough of playing. Even I doubted him personally two weeks back, I guess, in one of the live streams. I did say that it could be like Benford could be benched for Rodrigo. 
But it looks like Bamford is going to start along with Rodrigo. So I think he's priced 5.9 at the moment, I guess. And if you take a look at their next couple of games, they play Leicester, Crystal Palace, Arsenal, Everton and Chelsea. Now, again, on paper, it definitely, definitely sounds uh, pretty difficult. But uh, in terms of defensive-wise, yeah, it does look difficult. I mean, Leicester... If, if I take a look at the numbers, they've considered a total of 75 shots and they've let in uh, eight goals. So we could probably see him scoring again there or somebody from the Leeds team providing some kind of an attacking return. Palace defensively, again, they considered a last-minute goal. Many of us lost our clean sheets uh, <laughs> because they let in a goal at the last moment. And again, Palace have let in 89 shots total. That's the third worst so far. And... Uh, 55 shots were let in from inside the box again. So, yeah, these two games, defensively, these teams have not been strong. Leeds and, uh, sorry, Leicester and Crystal Palace. So, if Leeds again build up and continue their form, we could probably see some kind of return for Bamford here in terms of attack-wise. He could score a goal or an assist. Arsenal, Everton, Chelsea again. I mean, this season is kind of getting so weird and unpredictable. Teams are at some points play so well and the next week there's a surprise defeat and they lose a game, which is becoming a norm so far since this season has begun. So it's getting very, very difficult for us to predict. I mean, even for example, Ollie Watkins, I guess, was transferred in by a lot of managers once he scored the hat-trick against Liverpool. But since then, he has kind of struggled to score and get some attacking return. And people are already thinking of transferring him out. So... The same situation shouldn't arise again with Bamford. That's what is very concerning with these players priced roughly at around 6 million or so. So, yeah, it's getting very difficult. But at the moment, uh, it's difficult to predict who's going to continue the runoff form. Because roughly at the same price, Watkins was there, was not playing well since the hat-trick. Bamford has scored a hat-trick at the moment. If Mopé at 6.6 was blank for the last two games in a row. And then Mitrovic has been looking bad. And then we move on to Calvert-Lewin and the rest are the so-called mid and premium assets. So, I mean, predicting who's going to score when is getting very, very difficult. That's why they're kind of seeing a lot of low-scoring game weeks in FPL and many of us struggling and, you know, stuck at a sort of millions in ranks at the moment. Yeah, I think it is is becoming more and more difficult to um to predict who's going to gonna score for me. I've, al- I've already made my transfer this week um for for Bamford in I I was so so cross at, at uh more pay just doing nothing in the past two weeks I already did Bamford which is which is pretty bad for me it's a it's a knee joke I don't normally like to do it but I wanted to avoid that that price rise and so yeah I think um it, it was a interesting game and I certainly didn't see that coming I benched um Dallas for Leeds who got six points um and Villa uh, scored none so um that was a, a mistake on my half but i really did think um that that aston villa were, were going to score and i think they were very unlucky too i think jack grealish had a had a very very good good game i mean he had 31 touches in the final third um he had two big chances two shots inside the box one of them one of them was cleared off the line so i think he was he was a very unlucky not not to get a goal um uh, yeah, so he he had two big chances and two two big chances missed, um, and, and had eight penalty area touches, which was very good. Um, but um, do you think um, uh, this is where Villa's season sort of 
turns. I think they've had a they've had a good start to the season. Uh, not just a good start, a brilliant start for Aston Villa after after their last season, a perfect record, and now they've lost. But do you think this is this is where the season turns, or do you think we should hold faith in these players? I guess holding faith is definitely the right option at the moment because teams are very inconsistent, as I said. And uh, next week, I guess Villa are playing uh, Southampton at home, so we could probably see maybe Villa winning, right? Two nil, maybe a clean sheet and all. We don't know. Right? Defensively, they were pretty solid, right? And till before game week, things I guess Martinez had the highest number of clean sheets and was the highest scoring goalkeeper in the FPL. So, I mean, in one game week, things dramatically changed and people are starting to thinking of getting rid of the players. I mean, Watkins and all, fine. Defensive assets, just hold on to them. The next run of games look pretty good. I mean, so it doesn't make sense. But Grealish is their sole main player, right? Main creator. And he's the one who creates a lot of chances and he's involved with set pieces and all. So, I mean, it doesn't make sense transferring him out. So, just hold on to him for maybe another two, three weeks and then let's decide if Aston Villa are really, really bad or not. Because they had a great start to the season and it's unfair, right, to transfer players out. I mean, the teams are struggling this season and everyone is pretty much inconsistent. So, um, yeah, so give, give him a chance. I mean, give Aston Villa players another chance maybe for another game week or so, maybe two game weeks and then probably trigger your transfers. Yeah, I think... Uh... It's it's definitely something that FPL managers can do a lot, a sort of knee jerk. I think Martinez is definitely one to hold on to, but with with uh, Grealish blanking in the last two after I've brought him in, it's, it can be a bit frustrating. But as you said, he's he's the main man for Aston Villa, and I don't I don't doubt that he will will perform in in games to come. So yeah, I think um, I didn't really see that coming that that three 0 but Leeds again look like they've they're really settling to this settling into this Premier League well and. Um, yeah, I think that that sums up everything about about the Leeds Villa. So next, I want to move on to the the Crystal Palace two, Fulham one. Wilfred Zaha one goal, one assist. He's got five goals this season. Um, he's looked absolutely brilliant. The main man now looks like he's on penalties too. Um, I mean, despite Crystal Palace being a pretty defensive side. Um, do you think he's a, a fantasy option now with with a brilliant, brilliant run of fixtures? Yeah, so regarding Wilfred Zaha, I mean, the last game against Fulham was pretty much expected, I would say, because Zaha is the one, again, like Grealish for Aston Villa, Zaha is the key player for Crystal Palace. So he's the one who takes the set pieces and all, and he's the one who's most probably going to be involved in most of the, you know, attacking outputs and all. And the next few run of games for Palace, they play Wolves, Leeds, Burnley, Newcastle and West Brom. Now again, here, um, Wolves, Leeds, Burnley, most are pretty much defensive-oriented sides. And uh, it's going to get difficult for him definitely to score because, as I said, Wolves, Leeds and all are known, well-known for the defence. Wolves have been excellent so far over the last few game weeks. And um, if I take a look at Zaha's total performance so far in terms of his numbers, um, he's created so far nine chances. Uh, he had 135 touches in the final third, 34 touches in the box, 15 attempts on goal, and has scored so far five times. Numbers are pretty much good for a player from Crystal Palace, and he's just priced just around 7.3. So <laughs> managers who are kind of frustrated because of Jack Grealish will definitely try to swipe him at getting Zaha. So, again, 
definitely one to consider considering his price because if you look at his ownership at the moment it's around 24% that's pretty much a lot for a player price around 7.4 because if you even take a look at Raheem Sterling he's just owned around 7% so I mean there are a lot of weird numbers are going on although City have been not that great so far this season so Zaha definitely a one to consider why I'd considered if I was on a wild card maybe two game weeks back and it looks like he um, has managed to get in the returns I guess over the last two game weeks if I'm not wrong yes yeah, so he has managed to score goals in the last two matches against Brighton and Fulham so um, yeah he's starting to show a run of consistency here and uh, maybe definitely a one to consider probably after the game against Wolves I would say if maybe Grealish planks or so and uh, if somebody else like Podence or someone you could need to get rid of. So definitely a one to consider. But Palace, as you said, they are a defensive-oriented side. But if you take their defensive numbers, <laughs> it's not good. They're the third worst in terms of total shots conceded. And uh, in terms of the number of uh, big chances they have let in, it's uh, right about 11, which is right in the middle of the zone. So defensively, they are struggling, but they are a defensive side. But maybe if they score, it's going to be probably Zaha who's going to be involved somehow. Yeah, and we saw Tyrick Mitchell and, and Crystal Palace clean sheet snatched away in the 95th minute. Um, but something interesting I took from that game, I was watching it at the time. We saw Patrick Van Arnholt subbed on in the 70th minute. We know that Tyrick Mitchell's place is, is a threat because... Patrick Van Arnholt is back but we saw him subbed on in the 70th minute but not for Tyrek Mitchell but in fact for Nathaniel Klein and then Tyrek Mitchell was actually moved to right back and Van Arnholt to left back um, with uh, with Nathaniel Klein's contract up in January I believe um, do you think that despite Van Arnholt back we will still see some some Tyrek Mitchell performances for that for that insanely good price I mean, I hope so. Every year so far, over the last two, two, three seasons, we have managed to find in players who are worth for finding a diamond and, you know, and we finally managed to get in good players for that prize and who have been consistent and been delivering returns. But um, as far as their substitution, I think Roy should have subbed off, uh, subbed off Mitchell instead so that we all have, should have got the clean sheet points. As what Nuno did with Roman size, and I was pretty fortunate enough to get those points. But uh, yeah, I mean Mitchell is a right-footed player who was who was playing as a left back, so it definitely made sense switching him as a right back because he's a right-footed guy. I mean he's able to pass in inwards, right? But I guess it could be a reason maybe Klein was not up towards for a match fit, was not up to like couldn't last a total of 90 minutes, so he was subbed off, and then Mitchell had to switch. To the other side and Van Arnold came in. So, um, I mean, I hope he keeps his place and I hope he starts. Uh, if Van Arnold is fit, I just hope Mitchell plays as a right back and Klein is pens. But I think it's based on a trial basis, right? With Klein, as you said, his contract is just up till January. So they'll probably evaluate and then decide based on his performance if they want him on a long term or not. But uh, I mean, it's getting very tricky at the moment to guess whether he's going to keep his place. I hope he keeps his place and I hope he starts because he's just priced for even if he's benched maybe for a game or so. And if Palace perform bad, Roy could obviously go back to Mitchell and he could probably start. So, I mean, just hold on to me respective if he still loses his place maybe for a game or so, he could probably start again. And 
I mean, priced at four, and it's very difficult for us to actually uh, find players who are priced so less and who will manage to like you know keep and retain their place. I guess as I get who was it for Leeds? I guess it was uh, Struijic, right? Um, he was subbed off. He was supposed to play in the midfield, I guess, because Calvin Phillips was injured, and then PLs had decided to sub him off. And there's probably another player from Burnley who's also been starting. I think he's priced for. If I'm not wrong, I think there's uh, Jimmy Dunn, right? <laughs> and uh, they were saying once me comes back in, Dunn is done. So <laughs> I'm not sure about that. He's also priced 4.1. There's another option. But at the moment, hold on to Mitchell and just pray that he doesn't lose his place. Yeah, I think um, I did uh, have a look at Dunn, but with uh, me and Tarkovsky back, it doesn't particularly look like he's he's going to be keeping his place. Um, it was an interesting game. Crystal Palace were expected uh, 2.5 um, goals and Fulham expected 1.07. So Fulham again still not particularly up to up to the task, and um, I'm hoping for for their sake they can uh, find a bit of a rhythm in the Premier League because they don't look don't look particularly brilliant now as as per se um but one one player that did catch my eye was was Lookman um Adi Adamola Lookman um I don't know if I'm, I'm pronouncing that right but he's he priced at 5.0 million so quite a cheap despite other options like Suchek and um Jorginho who's now gone up to 5.3 he looked like a very um exciting young player I mean his expected goals was only 0.23 uh and he started for Fulham and um, potentially we may see uh, some some good performances from him and he had 30 touches in the final third and um, as I said he looked like a, quite an exciting player with six penalty area touches too so his goal threat looked quite good and um, despite Fulham maybe in the future not not playing too well we could we could see an odd good performance for him and um, so I, I'm going to keep an eye on him in the future and, and, and hopefully some good performances can, can be coming his way and um, he had a brilliant shot towards the end of towards the end of the match or somewhere in the second half where he, he struck the post from outside the box so he has confidence in, in himself and um, hopefully um, we can see some, some good performances from him so that's that's my gem from uh from this 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 game and um yeah i think that that sums up everything um from the from the fulham palace it was a it was a an interesting game and, and wilfred zaha a goal and assist was was in the spotlight Next, I want to talk about the Man City one, West Ham one. West Ham again, still pulling off, pulling this this sort of spec spectacle off. They've they've been brilliant this season, and and the fixtures are going to turn after this next Liverpool game. They're going to get Fulham, Sheffield United, and Aston Villa. Um, so uh, yeah, they they've been looking brilliant this season, and um, as a team that finished 16th last season, Aditya. Um, what do you think is is different this season compared to last? I guess Man City and the others have been playing bad against him. That's what been the difference. I don't want to be so harsh on them. They they have been playing well. I mean, they managed to beat I guess uh, 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 Leicester four 0 and uh, full three 0 if I'm not wrong. And um, 
it's been kind of a surprise seeing the way they have managed to continue the form. They managed to draw against uh, Spurs at the end, managed to score three goals. And they did score a goal against Man City, and it was a very good goal by Mikel Antonio. And these Man City players were just, you know, engrossed and shouting with respect to whether it was Suchek's handball or not. And they just, just let him run loose there. And Bowen managed to, like, get the rebound back. Suchek just, Kufal managed to cross, and then Antonio just had a phenomenal so-called bicycle kick and managed to score again. I guess Ruben Diaz should have, you know, been more strong at the moment. He was not that strong and he let in a goal there. But overall, West Ham have been playing well. And we did speak right in the live stream that Mikel Antonio could be an option, right, once the fixtures are looking good. But he's able to play well even if when the fixtures are, are difficult. Uh, but it looks like they, he's currently with an injury doubt. Uh, hamstring injury is what is being shown at the Premier League website. So I just hope he's fit enough because we know how injury-prone he has been over the last few seasons and we know how well and how good he is as a player if he's not injured. Because I guess other than Harry Kane, he's been one of the very consistent players since the end of last season. He's managed to score a lot of goals, I guess, if I'm not wrong. I'm not sure about the amount of numbers, whether it's been 13 or 12. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, the next few games after game week seven, that's they've played Liverpool and then... Uh, looks really good on paper and Suchek price at 4.9 could be a pretty much a differential pick because we know how offensively he's being played at the moment he makes good bombarding runs and he's most of the time there in the box sometimes to score goals and all so Suchek again a differential option but overall West Ham they've played well this season I guess you have to give them the credit right they've managed to hold on and shut down shut down teams so, uh, they beat Wolves 4-0 and Leicester 3-0. So, I just made a mistake a few minutes back. But overall, the start to their season has been good. And uh, as you said, uh, defensive-wise also, I'll be looking to probably get in someone like Vladimir Kufal, Balbuena and all. Because in terms of the number of big chances, I guess, uh, conceded if I had a look at, <laughs> they're right at the bottom with 8 along with Chelsea, Leicester, Burnley, Everton and all. And uh, in terms of the number of total shots let in, they are right in the middle with the Liverpool, Burnley, South Atlanta, which is right at the bottom again here. So defensively also, they have been looking pretty good. And maybe they'll be able to keep a keep few clean sheets once after they face Liverpool. So definitely maybe I would be looking at getting in someone from there as a defender and all. But Antonio Suchek, maybe even uh, Gerard Bowen and all could be like a few options to consider once the game against Liverpool is done. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a brilliant summary of uh, of that. Um, and we have seen Man City not had the, the most promising start to the season. We saw them get get smashed by Leicester, 5-2 loss. They drew with Leeds, 1-0. Uh, they only just managed to get past Arsenal with a 1-0 victory at home. And now they've drawn to Leeds. So they haven't had the best the best start this season. Mares has had three starts in the last three games and got no attacking returns at all. So it hasn't looked very good. We know that they've struggled a bit with no striker, no Aguero or Jesus. Um, Aguero was was one FPL manager, FPL managers had an eye on, sorry, but he was subbed off at half time, so perhaps um, not not the best option there. Um, but now KDB 
De Bruyne is back and, and fit to start, um, which is he's made a, a swift recovery there. It could be a, a good good chance um, that um, uh, Man City's fortune turns. Um, how Cancelo's looked pretty good. His numbers over the last two games. Um, he's had two attempts on goal uh, and five chances created and ten touches inside the box. Um, so. Um, I'm not going to rush to get in Man City players. I mean, their next game is Sheffield United away. Then they play Liverpool and Tottenham. So the next three aren't brilliant. I mean, Sheffield United would be good if, if they were in form. But unfortunately, they're not. So I'm not going to rush to get them in for the next game. Um, but potentially, um, the the Burnley, Fulham, Man United. Um, after those, um, they play West Brom, Southampton, Newcastle. So... But Manchester City uh, in the past have been a pretty fixture-proof team when in form. So I think Manchester City's um, sort of fixtures uh, aren't, aren't uh, too too worrying. All they need to do is recapture their form and they should be fine. Um, and, and hopefully with De Bruyne back, they can they can do that. So um, do, you, do you think that, um, you know, Man City aren't not quite just on it yet? Um, would, you, would you rush to get Kevin De Bruyne back in? Um, not particularly not. I wouldn't at the moment because uh, most of us have at least Salah, the, uh, Salah, Bruno Fernandes or Rashford or Son and uh, it gets very difficult for us to see who are going to transfer out because United generally are decent and uh, if I take a look at the next few games, although the next game they do play Arsenal, but after that, they play Everton, which is again going to be a difficult game. West Brom, Southampton, West Ham and also again, it's a very tricky game for both Manchester clubs. But um, the way Sunmin Son, Mane, Salah have all been playing, it gets very difficult for us to maybe kick out one premium player and to get another one like De Bruyne. We, we do know how well De Bruyne is and he's a main you know, chance creator. He's a main creative spark in the team, which they kind of lacked in the struggle for the last Two games, although he did come off the bench, but uh, as you said, Cancelo's numbers have looked decent. But again, don't rush to get him in. Maybe Phil Foden would be as a shrewd pick as what I would say. He just priced around uh, 6.6 if I'm not wrong, and selected roughly by around 8 percent. So I mean, he just priced 6.6, and all. Why not just give him a shot and see instead of getting in deeper? And if you're getting him in place of maybe somebody like. Again, the Grealish debate comes in if you want to hold him or not. Maybe in Daniel Podence, because I do have him and the next few games, Wolves, the the games change and the fixtures also change. So, and he has been not been playing well over the last few game weeks. Like right after game week two or so, Podence has not managed to even give an attacking return. So maybe Foden could be a differential option. And um, again, Sterling is going to be the one who's going to play probably in the false nine or... Godzilla might play strikers or something, which he usually does with De Bruyne playing right in the middle and all. But they do have to bounce back because this has been probably Man City's worst start since 2014. So, which is not a great sign for all the Man City fans and the, for the club. So, they definitely do need to bounce back. And um, if they do, then De Bruyne has to be the one who is going to run the show for them. Hopefully, uh, for for FPL perspective, um, De De Bruyne will be straight back on it and and back into that side. I mean, uh, as you said, it, that's a very interesting point. The worst start for I I think you said t- since twenty fourteen. Um, so, 
Uh, I mean, the, the Premier League has just looked very different this season compared to last, which is which is very good for entertainment purposes, and, and hopefully it will, will carry on like that. One expected un, unexpected result we saw this week was the Southampton 2, Everton 0. Danny Ings, the main man again with two assists. James Ward-Prowse and uh, Shea Adams scoring, unfortunately for me. I took him out in game week four, so I held him for four game weeks, gave him four chances, and... And when I take him out, the next two games, uh, he goes on and scores and, and gets uh, 11 points. Uh, so, a bit frustrating for me from my my uh, sort of my team's uh, perspective. But um, it's a bit of an unexpected result. And James Ward-Prowse, I believe, uh, 5.9 or 5.8 um, potentially could be an option. He's on on uh, corner duties and, I believe, some free-kick duties as well. Um, so, yeah, I think um, Danny Ings is... Is once again very good and and at eighteen percent ownership. Do you think that we're we're still overlooking Danny Ings? First of all, with respect to Che Adams, I transferred him out in game week six for Calvert Lewin. So it looks like I'm the biggest clown for this game week. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was pretty shocked once I saw that. I think Adams scored and it was assist by Ings. And I got so pissed off. I was like, I mean, why is this guy trying to score at the wrong time? I mean, just pretty <laughs> score an own goal. But nevertheless, he has been underperforming over the last four game weeks. I mean, sorry, not the last four game weeks. From game week one to game week four, he has been underperforming. He had good numbers, but he failed to like, convert his chances to goals, which he is probably being able to do now over the last two game weeks. And again, it looks like People are now starting to consider him as an option. Because, again, Southampton's next round of games are, again, pretty much not that great. Up and down, up and down. But still, he's just priced 5.8, right? And he's roughly owned by around 2%. Although his ownership was quite high at the start. Maybe around 5%, 6%. But it's come down by a lot now. Because he was inconsistent. But uh, with respect to Dennings, as you said, his ownership is around 18% or so. Uh, are we not looking at him? I mean. He's priced 8.5, right? And uh, at the start, Carlo Tulin was on fire, right? So it made sense for people to switch Ings out for Carlo Tulin, who just was on fire until game week five. And last game week, he just blanked, uh, which is fine, I would say. It's very difficult to be consistent. And you can't keep on questioning everybody to just like, score a goal or do something every week. It's very difficult, right? So. Um, with respect to Ings, in that price bracket, I mean, now, as we said, Mikel Antonio, Mope, Bamford, Rodrigo, and uh, C. Adams, which has most price 5.8, Kyle Woodlin at 7.7 uh, 7 at the moment. So there are a lot of forwards here, and whoever shows and turns out to be more consistent is where generally the managers will opt. Right? Even Callum Wilson... Jimenez again, Wolves have been struggling a lot offensively. And if I took, if I take a look at their, I guess, total number of um, chances created or goal attempts, uh, Wolves are with, I think, 67 goal attempts and they just created about uh, 51 chances. So yeah, Wolves have been struggling at the same price bracket as with Raul Jimenez at the moment. Werner again has been blanking. So most of the players, as I said, even at the start, been very, very inconsistent. 
and it gets really really difficult for us to pinpoint and pick out who's going to be consistent that is where the key i think for a green arrow like this week and and not the same person is able to be be consistent week and week out and that's what keen and so on are able to do over the last few weeks and just manage to get in returns and uh, not everybody is able to maintain the same level of form so that's why even we are struggling they're not able to get in the right place every week so this week i did take out adams for calvin which again was a clown move but i looked right at long term right seeing how the way calvin played over the first five weeks definitely he'll start to play well even i mean richarlison got sent off that probably could be a reason why they struggled and maybe hamas rodriguez was not up to the mark and was not fit enough could be but um, i guess hamas is one of assists to sikutson i think sikutson hit the post if i'm not wrong so again things could have gone a lot of diff- different but as i said it gets really really difficult to predict who is going to play how because the way teams and players are they're very very inconsistent at the moment mm yeah so i think that was a, a good game week summary um next i want to i want to move on to um sort of how our teams played in in this week for me myself it was a very very disappointing as i said at the start of the the podcast sort of two steps forward one step back and it was definitely more than one step back for me this week i got 36 points with the average points being 48 so my game week rank was around 6 million out of just over 7 million total players so very very poor from me i i captain salah as as i'm sure many people did i was so scared of his uh effective ownership being so high that i just wanted to to captain him my other option was was kane so i wouldn't have potentially got that many more points um son and kane were the only two players in my whole team that didn't didn't blank so it was a bit of a <laughs> a bit of a disappointing week for me really i benched chilwell and dallas who both got clean sheets and played mitchell and kilman and said who both got two pointers but i felt a bit hard done this week i'm not gonna lie i mean mitchell his clean sheet was stripped from him at 90 plus five kilman his clean streak was stripped from him at 88 minutes so i was so close to to many sort of uh, those two clean sheets there so I felt a bit hard done there Grealish uh, I mean as I said earlier he had a, a chance cleared off the line and he had a lot of involvement and was very unlucky not to score I mean Salah he was offside by virtually an inch or so so I was unlucky to get a, a captaincy blank and um yeah, I mean Pulisic is his numbers looked pretty good against Man United he had most penalty area touches in in the whole game so i mean i i mean i don't know what more to say really but um i'm currently sitting about uh 1.2 million overall um and i'm hoping sort of things can turn it it's so unpredictable the same team got me 85 points last week but got me 36 this week so as aditya was just saying i mean it's so difficult to predict who's who's going to perform because it's 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 unpredictable this season i mean it, the the new 2 million is the new top 10k so <laughs> how 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 did your two team do this week anyway not great to be honest just managed to score about 39 points as you said just uh, average was around 48 right so we were well below the average but um, i was very lucky that uh, nuno decided to sub size off which i'm very grateful and I hope Saiz keeps his place and he doesn't get, you know, benched for 
Mark Allen, Gilman playing as a centre-back. I hope it doesn't happen. I just hope these all are just false news and all. But Mitchell clean sheet going off at the last moment was pretty much painful. And I benched Kyle Walker-Peters. So five points were on the bench for me, which is like, fine. Okay, it has, mm, the worst things have happened for me in the past. Last season, I think I benched Lundstrom when he scored 17 points. He was on the bench. So I was pretty much pissed. So worst things have happened to me before. So I'm not bothered. It's the same with and, me. That was the same with me last season. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as I said, see, before this game week, if I asked the game, let's say Everton, Southampton, Everton, the same game, uh, we all would have said, okay, Everton will definitely score a goal. So uh, I don't think Walker Peters will keep a clean sheet. So I assume the same fact and I benched him and he deserved to keep a clean sheet because defensively, Southampton played pretty well. And uh, they just considered six shots in the game against Everton. And so they were defensively pretty strong. And I heard, I think, Westergaard played really, really well. So that could be the reason why they are playing very well at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I think Son, again, just managed to save my gaming again with those 11 points. Although I don't have Kane, I had Timo Werner. And uh, for me, the next few games for Chelsea, they play Burnley, Sheffield and Newcastle. Spurs, Leicester, I mean, I mean, not... Tough games also, not easy games also. But Chelsea have forgotten to score goals and I just fear the... I just hope that he manages to like score a goal now. But if he doesn't, then probably it's time to jump the ship and get Harry Kane. But after game week 8, Spurs play City, Chelsea, Arsenal. So, again, things could change drastically and all of us have to keep on jumping on on and off players because nobody is consistent at the moment. Only Son and Kane have managed to deliver returns very, very consistently. Carlo and Hamid Rodriguez and all were pretty consistent for the first five game weeks, but they decided to blank, which is fine, acceptable. It gets very difficult to continue right of form and be consistent throughout the course of the season, which is very difficult, acceptable. But overall, 39 points, not great. And I had a red arrow, so I'm back to 2 million. So as you said, that's the new 10k. I think 1 million is the new 10k, top 10,000. So... It looks like we're all stuck at this, you know, at the same place. But um, it's going to get difficult for us, considering we are right around a mil and a half, because most of the players' effective ownership is quite about hundred percent. So I think Son and Keynes is pretty much over hundred percent. And if they score a goal and they get a return, it's most probably everyone in literally in the same position, in the same ranks are going to have them. And it's going to be get very, very difficult for us to right, jump and just go right around maybe 500, 600k. It's going to get very difficult because unless we find the right differential player who really scores a lot of goals and gets a lot of points, then only we'll be able to make the jump, right? And unless teams are also consistent, and uh, we nailed down our captaincy options because if you see this week I captained Salah, he played last week I captained Son, he got some points before back in game week four I captained uh, De Bruyne, he blanked in game week three I captained uh, Warner, he blanked again in game week two I captained Aubameyang, he got some points by luck and in game week one fortunate enough Salah scored a hat trick so again captaincy decisions unless we nail it down probably is where most of us are struggling to probably get in the points. That's where most of us are all stuck at around 1.52 million. So, not a great start to the season, but overall, I guess everybody's struggling at the same point. So, yeah. 
Mm. And um, I've already done my one transfer, as I said earlier, I've, I've already done more pay to Bamford. Um, I'm still looking at, at the money that Robertson can give me. I've got Robertson and Pulisic, um, and maybe I could downgrade to Kufau and, and De Bruyne if Man City hit some good form. Um, it, who are you planning to, to make a transfer this week? Or are you, or are you planning to wildcard? Nah, I'm, I'm not going to wildcard at the moment. It's going to see, because the way the teams have been performing lately, and if I wildcard, <laughs> sometimes it will happen is that the non-wildcarded team will get you more points than the wildcarded just because of the last game week's performance. As I said, teams and players are struggling and they're very inconsistent. It's very difficult to nail down and get the right options on a wildcard. So at the moment, definitely not. Maybe I'll hold on to it and maybe use it like roughly around game week. 10 to 12 is where I would aim at the moment. But regarding the transfer, uh, I have Seamus Coleman sitting on the bench at the moment. So definitely I'm going to transfer him out. And as you said, maybe for a West Ham player or maybe for a Leeds defender or maybe for an Aston Villa defender is where I'm looking at. So downgrading him to somebody who's around 4.6, 4.7 is where I'm looking basically at the moment. But then I have Potence, Werner. So I'm going to give them probably a last few games Last few game weeks, maybe give them another two, three, and then decide maybe who is going to go out first. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that summarizes our teams. I think uh, uh, sort of struggling a bit compared to last season. I mean, last season was a bit, I guess, a one-off for me. It was my first season playing FPL, so maybe I hit some some luck last season. But um, as 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 we've said and going to reinforce it. it it does look like it is just going to be a lot more unpredictable and 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 much more difficult this season. Uh, certainly from from the start, that seems seems like the way. I mean, um, anyway. So moving on to a, a, a short preview and, and captaincy options of of next week. Um, for me on on my watch list for captains, uh, I have Son and Kane, who both play Brighton Hove Albion, which looks like a, a brilliant fixture for the pair. I mean, they've just been linking up so well this season, and um, we've seen Harry Kane get two 16-pointers and a 21-pointer this season, so hopefully against Brighton that can be a a, a very good uh, captaincy pick, and even the week after he plays West Brom, so I could uh, not even look at my team, just put the captaincy on Harry Kane and relax for two weeks. Um but um, there are some other other good fixtures. I mean, Calvert-Lewin plays Newcastle. I mean, he wasn't really getting the service uh, against um, Southampton. He obviously he's a he's a sort of poacher. He's a striker which requires service. So um, for me, my my main captaincy candidates are Son, Kane, and, and and Salah, which is a bit which is a bit basic. There's no differential really option there. I mean, Grealish plays Southampton, but I don't think I'm bold enough to captain him after two blanks in a row um so yeah those are my captaincy uh candidates so far who who would you say is uh on on your list uh, i'll start with the first game who that's wolves play crystal palace so again if you have raul jimenez and all could be a fair shot but it's going to be a defensive game both the teams are going to probably uh sit back and then play on the counter and also that's a very outside pick with raul jimenez Sheffield Man City again. If you have Ryan Sterling, and if you're struggling with the ranks, why not maybe give it a shot at Sterling and see? But what happens is these clubs like City, United, Liverpool, Arsenal, 
Chelsea, Leicester and all have to play, right, in the Champions League and Europa League. So, again, before you make your transfers and decide on the captaincy, just wait and watch and see how they perform their hand, who scores and who looks in good form and then probably decide. But before that, uh, I mean, Spurs, Brighton, everybody is going to put their armband on Swan and Kane because they have been very, very consistent over the last few weeks and their partnership seems to be sort of clicking at the moment. So, maybe definitely a captaincy option there, as you said. Maybe one of Salah Mane again against West Ham since Liverpool are playing. West Ham, although they have been very good defensively and they've managed to beat Wolves, Leicester and they've managed to shut out Man City even. So, let's see how well Liverpool play. Burnley, Chelsea again. Um, Again, Burnley defensively have been pretty good. Chelsea have kind of struggled to score. I mean, in terms of if we say the number of chances created, Chelsea have just created 53, just right in the middle of the 20 clubs. And they've had roughly about uh, 71 attempts on goal, 30 on target, with a goal conversion of around 18% and short accuracy of around 42. So, Werner again, since I have him, hmm, if you ask me if I'm going to captain him, definitely not. But I just hope he manages to get some return. <laughs> but if overall, if you ask me who are the standout options, again, it's the Spurs lads. One from, uh, I mean, Kane, Son, obviously. Then, then it's up to Salah and Mane. And then, uh, as I said, Raheem Sterling, Raul Jimenez, Werner, and all uh, the other options. Aston Villa, Southampton. If Southampton continue their form, then maybe Danny Ings, again, outside pick. Newcastle Everton, I'm basically worried here because Lucas Dinia is suspended. So, I'm not sure if that is going to hamper Calvert-Lewis' chances because Dinia plays on the left-hand side and he just, you know, whips a lot of crosses, right? And Calvert-Lewis generally heads the ball pretty much, pretty well. And he's scored a lot of, I guess, had a lot of headed attempts on goal, I think. Uh, it's what you had said last in the last episode, if I'm not wrong. So I guess again he could struggle unless Everton, you know, start again and play well as well they did in the first five game weeks. So definitely I wouldn't captain Carlo but Salah, Mane, Son, Kane is where I would definitely have my own at the moment. Yeah, I think um. I think that's going to be sort of common knowledge in the uh, FPL FPL community this this week. Um, but unless you've got um, um, any other questions or, or queries or anything more that you want to discuss, um, I think uh, I think that that covers everything from this podcast. Uh, there's some good good talking points from last week and um, so, some interesting uh, interesting discussions. Um, but I think I think that does cover everything. So thank you all for for listening from from all of us at the Academica Vertex. Uh, stay tuned and keep up with us on Twitter at FPL Academica and at the underscore FF Academy on Twitter. As I said, um, hopefully we should be back next week with another podcast. Thank you all very much for listening, and we'll see you all next time. I'm